Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers, and we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash Barry and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash Barry, B-E-R-R-Y. Thanks for your help. I'm going to ask you about another one. <laughs> uh, I mean, Will Lutz. Man, I don't want to be uh, rude, but we call him Big Lutz. <laughs> and, uh, man, he was clutch. That's who he is, man. That's, that's, that's all we know. Come on, man. We just, do you know who it is? Big yeah. Lutz. <laughs> Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. You know what I got? What do you got, Matthew? D's Lutz. <laughs> we should make that a thing. <sighs> D's Lutz, Will Lutz. Man, it is noon on Peacock, but it's 5 o'clock somewhere. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour as we are almost to the end of week number one. He is Jake Croucher. I am Matthew Berry. We are, in fact, served by Applebee's. Let's go! Hail the Commanders! Hail victory! Good win! Hail victory! One and R. One and O, baby! Carson Wentz for MVP! Carson Wentz for president! Second So what if he threw two horrible picks? <laughs> Pretty bad picks. Still. Awful picks! Four touchdowns, though. Four full, touchdowns! The full Carson Wentz experience. It really was. It was totally a roller coaster. It was just like, it was just like, it was, you know, it was me texting my buddies with that, that are Colts and Eagles fans. Like, I don't understand what you guys complain about. This guy's awesome. Oh my God, this is awful. I totally get it. Whoa, I'm back in. It was, it was roller coaster. It was a roller coaster. The coaster. But, um, but I think two things are important here. Washington is one and zero, tied for the lead in the NFC East. That's very important. Carson Wentz, fantasy viable. Jahan Dotson, fantasy viable. Terry McLaurin, number 17, got to represent. Steven D'Agostino, our uh, producer here. He's a Jack Jaguars fan. fan. He's 0-1. He beat me in fantasy this week on James Robinson, who's my guy. So, you know what? It all comes around. So, it's fine. He can have his little fantasy victory because I've got the NFL victory. That's more important. Happy birthday, Steven. Your team is 0-1. Oh, yeah. It is his birthday. <laughs> it is his birthday. He's 12. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Lots to get to today on the happy hour. It was a, uh, it was a crazy week one. Let's start with um, uh, the Roto World headlines right here. You know, and I think the, the, the biggest one, obviously, is Dak Prescott injures his hand. This is, this is not good, Jay. This is hashtag bad. It's hashtag extremely bad. They are, we're we're going to cut the sound right now to just give some background on the injury. Sure, let's do that. Play that happened. Um, no, not necessarily in the game, just in the midst of it. Thought I jammed it. I mean, I've uh, hit my hand on helmets or bodies uh, a lot in my career um, and never really had anything, maybe a jammed finger here. And I actually thought that's what it was. Just the next play, realized I couldn't grip the ball, let the sideline know um, 
And then when I got off, yeah, I told the trainers the same thing. I was just like, I can't grip. I feel like if you yank it, I'll be okay. And no, came in, got x-rays, and things are different. What have they told you to expect in terms of how long you uh, I, was, I just got to go see the doctor tomorrow. Um, plans for to see him, surgery tomorrow, and let me know once they get in there, they see everything. Uh, I was told it was much cleaner than it could have been. Jack, how disappointing is this, and how do you characterize your emotions right now? Yeah, it's very disappointing. Um, but injuries happen. Uh, can't necessarily control it. Um, just unfortunate. Obviously, going to miss some time. Uh, not be there for my team, uh, and that's what hurts more than more than anything. Uh, especially after the start that we just put out there, um, wanting to be able to respond and not necessarily having that opportunity for several weeks. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate, but I'll do what I've always done. Anytime adversity comes, take on it, take it on head first, uh, and it'll get my best. And I'm sure I'll come out of this thing better. Yeah, just an unmitigated disaster. Catastrophe. Catastrophe on every single level. The Cowboys, who came in neck and neck with the Eagles to win the NFC East, they're now the fourth favorite in the NFC East. They have longer odds than the New York the Giants. Giants. And it sickens me to say this because you're here, you're wearing that jersey, but the Washington Commanders are now the second favorite in the NFC East. Let's That's go! Let's go! Here's the other thing with the Cowboys. They're playing... Mm. The Cincinnati Bengals next week. Angry Bengals team next week. Obviously, Uh, look. I this was a a, first up before. Let's talk very quickly before Dak got hurt. An embarrassing performance by the Cowboys. Brutally bad. Awful. I don't know how you make Ceedee Lamb look pedestrian, but Mike McCarthy, you did it. Congratulations. (laughs) Fantastic. Look, we knew they weren't going to. They were going to have. They were going to struggle to run up the ball. Run up the middle. That that happens to every team that plays the Buccaneers. Okay, fine. But at least let's get Tony Pollard involved in the passing game. Two targets. (laughs) <laughs> Two targets. Oh, but at least you got nine targets to Noah Brown. Like, what it's, we, it's a for, disaster. Because two for 29. CeeDee Lamb, two for 29. Like, Dak was bad prior to the injury. Like, the whole thing is an unmitigated disaster. And, listen, again, I'm a Washington fan, so I, I, there's a part of me that takes some pleasure in Dallas facing hard times. I'm certainly not rooting anyone to ever get hurt. I, I, I feel bad that Dak got hurt. That's awful. But... Just prior to him getting hurt, unmitigated disaster, start to finish for this Cowboys team. And now they turn to Cooper Rush, who is like, whatever. There Come is. at me with your Carson Wentz hate, because at least I ain't starting cars, Cooper Rush. Like, I, where are my Cowboy fans at? How about them Cowboys? The thing is, too, it's not just Dak. Connor McGovern, high ankle sprain yes. last night. Javon Kurs goes down. They're already missing Tyron receivers. Smith. Tyron Smith is out. I mean, people are talking about, oh, can the Cowboys, can they keep it together a little bit until Dak comes back? Like, no. They might be the worst team in the NFL right now. That's how bad it is without Dak Prescott. I don't know if they're the worst team When you look at everything else. I mean, outside the defense, which kept Tampa Bay to 19 points, but there was a lot of field goals there. They needed Micah Parsons to be superhuman to keep Tampa Bay to that score. I mean, they lost Randy Gregory in the offseason. They've got these injuries now. They are going to be very bad. And here's the thing. They were... If Dak Prescott was playing, even with all the injuries, I would have made them about pick home to Cincinnati. Now the line is pushing towards Cincinnati minus seven in sure. Dallas. So that's why wow. I'm saying that they are, I don't think they're the worst team in the league, but they're going to be in that mix. Yeah. They're seven point dogs at home. And you have to be concerned about like, I mean, again, so it just, it all feeds on itself, right? You mentioned Michael Parsons seems to be superhuman and that defense is going to have to play. But again, they're going to be on the field a lot more. Yep. That offense is going to be a lot less efficient. They're going to be a lot more three and outs for that, a lot less sustained drives. And so now that defense, by you get to the third quarter, fourth quarter, like they've just, they're going to be out there. I think they'll get dominated in time possession. Ultimately, what I think this means is 
like, just let's break this down from a fantasy perspective and then go whip through because we got a ton of stuff to get to from, uh, from week one. But I think it's probably negligible, if not a slight uptick for Ezekiel Elliott. He was already going to get a heavy workload, but I think now they're going to lean even more on the run. This is probably good for Tony Pollard, who maybe becomes, despite his insane usage, and by insane I mean like lack of yes. usage. I, fire Mike McCarthy today. Can we like <laughs> just – actually, you know what? I'm a Washington fan. Keep Mike McCarthy. Send him to a long-term deal. Jerry Jones, that's what I'm asking for, actually. I take, I take it back. Actually, I'm, I, I would like Mike McCarthy to have we a long-term deal. love Mike McCarthy. Love Mike McCarthy. Dallas, you guys, you can't let him get away. Sign him to a long-term deal. Long-term deal. I just, what I feel like here, Jay, is, um, so maybe the run game gets an upgrade, but this is a downgrade for CeeDee Lamb. It's a downgrade for Dalton Schultz. Um, if you've been holding on to Michael Gallup, I guess you can wait to see what happens. But the entire offense is a downgrade, and any of the, like, the fringe guys – like, I know people are going to look at the nine, nine targets for Noah Brown, the, the, you know, the five for 69. And, but, like, that was, a lot of that was in junk time. I, I, I think there are other options on the waiver wire that I would target first. You know, like, I wouldn't want the kicker. I don't think they're an elite defense anymore. No. Like, he's going to be out six to eight weeks. And, uh, I mean, their season's likely over at that point. And then if you're like, okay, you know, six to eight weeks and we're, I don't know, we're three and seven at that point. You bring in Dak. You bring in your franchise guy back at three and seven. No, and that, they've got a difficult schedule coming up as well. So it's not going to get easier. They're playing teams like they're playing at the Rams. They're playing the Eagles. They've got the Bengals this week, and all of a sudden they're playing the Giants, and they're going to be underdogs to the New York Giants. Right. And, right. And I would just and I'll just take one last thing. I'll just want to say. I just want to take a moment here. You, you know, I used to work at ESPN. I know. Those are a lot of my friends over there. So I just want to send some condolences out to ESPN because three <laughs> weeks from because after in week three. The Monday night game is Cowboys-Giants. Cooper Rush, yeah. Daniel Jones, Monday <laughs> night football. they got to sell that somehow, and I don't know how they're going to do it. The 0-2 Cowboys and Cooper Rush coming to take the New York Giants. Like Anyway, I'm, anyway, my heart goes out to the promo people over at ESPN. America my there. is going to get to know Cooper Rush really well, <laughs> or more likely they're going to get to know the like, next guy. Doing? They're going to get to know the next doing? guy really well. All right, All right, so, the team that's playing. But, by the way, you know, as, uh, as bad as, as Dak Prescott was, Joe Burrow might have been worse yesterday. He might have been. Five turnovers from Burrow all off-season. All off season. They fixed the offensive line. That was the last piece. Well, he got sacked seven times, yeah. mainly by Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt before TJ Watt went out. And here we've got the full screen with Joe Burrow. Uh, he came in as one of the, the favorites for MVP. Yeah. He accumulated a lot of yards, but beyond that, didn't look too good for, uh, for Mr. Awful. Burrow. He looked awful. Now, in fairness... T. Higgins left this game fairly early with a concussion. Um, you know, we, uh, we cross our fingers and hope they get Higgins back. So that's a concern. But to me, the, the other thing that I think is, is shocking here is not just the five turnovers. It's the seven sacks. That's the concern. Because right. the turnovers are fluky. Yeah, of course. It happens. It's right, weird, but, but it happens. But, dudes, you guys spent the offseason spending millions upon millions of dollars of getting an offensive line to protect Joe Burrow. And you know what happened? They couldn't protect Joe Burrow. Yeah. I will say as well, there is an element where sacks can be a quarterback stat sometimes. Uh, Joe Barrow, yep, a, yep. a few of those sacks were definitely on him, where he's going super cool. Joe Burrow trying to right. shrug off the edge rushes and just getting strip sacks. So that would be concerned. At the same time, everyone is looking at how bad the Bengals played. Here's how I look at it. He got sacked seven times. He turned the ball over five times. They still have to miss, miss two chip shot field goals to lose the match yeah. despite everything going against them. So I would not be feeling good if I'm a Steelers fan today, that Ooh. everything went right, 
for my team, and I still needed those miracles to even win yeah. the match. By the way, do you think he still calls himself Money Mac after that? <laughs> I think he. Uh, I think he wants Luke, a new. Lo- is, he wants a new long like, Right? Is he yeah. like loose change Mac now? Yeah. Right? No, Not really couple, Money Mac. A couple of bad ones. Not yeah. sure you can miss from uh, yeah. the extra. Yeah, point. exactly. He's um, Doink Mac, uh, something like that. Like okay. Mac, I don't know. Like he, he. Tough day for kickers overall. Not these Lutz. No. Not these Lutz. Well, and not that, him. And that hurt me because the Falcons plus the. That's why I'm wearing black today. I don't blame to you. To mourn Falcons yeah, for plus the hundred. They missed the Sunday show. They missed fantasy football pregame. <sighs> His bold prediction was Falcons to win straight up at plus two hundred, and you were looking like a genius for about three and a half quarters. Well, I learned something yesterday, Matthew. You know what I learned? Yeah. So the Falcons are up twenty six ten late in the game, yeah. and they're up minus two thousand on a sportsbook app, which I'm not going to name because we don't have a sportsbook sponsor yet. I could be saying your name right now. Falcons minus 2,000, and here's what I learned. The Atlanta Falcons are never minus 2,000 in reality to win. You know when they were also minus 2,000 to win a game of football? What was that? You remember the Super Bowl against New England? Yeah, you remember 28-3? The Atlanta Falcons, never what again. Do? Anyway, there you go. There you go. Dad taxes don't bet on Marcus Mariota. There yeah, you go. exactly. You learned your lessons the hard way. Uh, real quickly, before we move off from Cincinnati-Pittsburgh, I just want to mention a couple of things here. Najee Harris leaves this game late. He gets banged up a little bit. Didn't play in the overtime period, uh, I believe. And before we rush out to, to pick up Jalen Warren, I just a couple things. All right, bad offensive line. Najee Harris, for all his talent, 10 for 23. Wasn't really involved in the passing game as well. Just two targets here. So my concern is, is that Chase Claypool got six carries in this game, which I, I think is pretty interesting, right? And if, like, if you have – he was actually their most effective rusher, six for 36, um, was, was Claypool. So I think that's exciting if you have Claypool that they're going to try to use him Debo-esque. Like, seems like that the, that's what we're going to do with Claypool. But for me, like, if, it'll be Jalen Warren and some Benny Snell, but they'll also have some Claypool. It's a bad offensive line. Harris couldn't get anything going. This is, it's, unless you're in a, if you're in a Michael Smith 20-team league, okay, fine, Jalen Warren should be rostered. But otherwise, if it ain't Harris out there, and we'll get, the sense we got after the game was, uh, hey, it'll be okay. Uh, but um, that it didn't seem serious. But uh, if for some reason he's to miss time, I'm not interested in Jalen Warren. I thought it was really interesting that Fryermuth got 10 targets in this one. Deontay Johnson did what Deontay Johnson does. Nothing for George Pickens. Nothing, but he played a he lot played of snaps. He yep. played a lot of snaps. I am patient on George Pickens. Overall, what I will say here, and I think this is important, think about where we were a year ago. A year ago at this time, everyone was throwing dirt on the Packers coffin. 38-3. They had, gotten their, they had just gotten waxed. They'd gotten absolutely waxed by the New Orleans Saints. They were like, Aaron's Sorry, done. He's yeah. hit the wall. It's gone. And, of course, Aaron Rodgers, you know, north of 40 touchdowns, MVP, yes. has a monster season, top three fantasy quarterback. It's week one. It's week one. Let's not overreact. But you and I still have 45 minutes to kill, so let's overreact. <laughs> yeah, let's Which overreact. Is, I'm just saying for you personally at home that doesn't have your own podcast, don't uh, – don't overreact. Another overreaction, although maybe not, is that Justin Jefferson is the best player in the NFL. They dominate. Everything that we've been talking about, everything that we were projecting, all came to light, it seems. And we've got a little bit of sound on Justin Jefferson. I mean, it's feel like football again. Uh, just, I feel like a little kid today, waking up this morning, just excited for the game. Uh, I mean, especially for this type of rivalry, uh, I live for these type of big games. So uh, definitely excited to get out there, and I'm glad I, I had this type of start. Have you thought in other terms about making history with Hayshirley? I mean, that's, that's what we're looking for. Uh, I mean, it is going to come. Uh, if it comes, it comes. 
God blessed me to be in this situation already. So uh, I just got to keep getting better, keep finding ways to get open, and uh, I'm pretty sure KO is going to move me around a lot more. What do, what do you call that hat? The guy that asked, do you think about me, making history? That's not a beret, right? What is it? I don't know the technical term, but I was going to say, do you a think... Derby hat, is it maybe? Derby hat? Maybe something. I don't know. That do sounds you, right. Do, do you ever think about making history, Jay? No, but I was going to say that Justin Jefferson. Do you think? Would you ever wear a hat like that to a press conference? I would never wear a hat like that to. I don't think I would ever wear a hat to a press conference. You guys understand? I'm follically challenged, and I would never wear a (laughs) effing hat like that. Like, what are we doing? Justin Jefferson. He looked pretty happy to be the best skill position player in football. There, he looked. He seemed more comfortable there than I am right now, mourning my Falcons plus two hundred money line. What? um, What? Do you remember what my one of my bold predictions was for the season? Best player in fantasy? Yes, looking pretty good. It seemed like he didn't even go to the next gear. It seemed like he was in cruise control no. and still putting up. Yeah, I mean, the, the Packers didn't even put up did. a fight. I mean, one of my other bold predictions was Kirk Cousins leads the NFL in touchdown passes. He only got two in this one because he mm. needed to. But by the way, that is, in theory, a very good Packers defense Yes, that Kirk Cousins carved up. Listen, if you have no piece of the Vikings offense, that's on you because we talked that up all season long, all preseason long, in on this. I am not surprised by any of this. He's awesome. Uh, it is going to be – luckily, Cooper Cup also dominant. Like, it's going to be tough for me to figure out who's I'm ranking one or two every any given week between yep. Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson. But those guys are a tier. I think two Devontae ago, Adams is going to potentially, oh, with the amount of targets that he got as well, yes. he would be the guy who could crack that. Speaking of Devontae Adams, the question our producers are asking is, any concern about the Packers passing game or wide receivers for me? No. Okay. No. No Alan Lazard in this one. Uh, you know, like... No Bakhtiari or Jenkins. No Bakhtiari or Jenkins. Like, I, they're so, they were so beat up, both on the offensive line and at wide receiver. Like, give it time. Uh, I, th- if there was one concern, honestly, it was the fact that Aaron Jones didn't seem to get used very much yep. in, in the passing game. I, I mean, A.J. Dillon had a really nice game there. But otherwise, like, that was, a, that was candidly a, a, a bit of a concern for me. Uh, on that one there you know I mean Aaron Jones five for 49 like when he was running he was very effective but they only gave him five carries he gets weirdly only uh three receptions uh for 27 yards he does get he does get five targets they just honestly Minnesota dominated time possession in this game like it was they did I do think with the whole discourse around that game how much of it is different if Christian Watson just catches the 75 yard bomb touchdown just walks it in and then at the same time, that is part of the concern that Christian Watson does drop those passes. That is kind of the book on him. Romeo Dobbs looked okay, 4 for 37, seemed to get a bit more involved late. The concern would be that the Packers only had 5.3 yards through the air per attempt. Yeah. And they just, all, all the concerns about them from preseason seem to be realized. And all the optimism about Minnesota seemed to be realized. But I agree that. Certainly wouldn't be giving up on the Packers and their nine and a half point favorites against Chicago this coming week. So. Well, the the, the one and oh Chicago Bears, by the way. So a, a game full of intrigue. That game, of course, right here on NBC and Peacock. NFC on North Showdown. Yeah, I'm a company man. There you go. Game is at Lambeau. Historic Lambeau Bears Packers at Lambeau. Always a historic game. Let's talk about Trey Lance and. A lot of people went into the season with Trey Lance as a sleeper. He was on my preseason love list. I will own that as well. Uh, he did not look ready for prime time in this one. Nor Are Chicago con- time. No, right. Didn't look ready for any time. Although, comes out with a victory, 19-10 over the 49ers. Um, ends up having 
54 yards rushing. We like that. He, you know, had 164 yards uh, passing. You know, like so. Anyway, what do we think about? Uh, are you ready? Are you panicking on Trey Lance? I'm not, just because of the conditions, where that was a really tough place for him to go in. The total fell out of the sky, I think it closed 37 and a half. It was going to be an ugly game. He wasn't helped by Debo Samuel fumbling on an important drive. He didn't have George Kittle. Elijah Mitchell goes out as well. I think the Bears' defense, like it's not going to be great, but it might be okay. They yep. showed a lot, especially with their rookies, guys like Brisker and Robinson. So, no, I'm not giving up on Trey Lance. Let's see him in normal conditions. I will say, though, uh, if I'm the 49ers, I wouldn't be trading Jimmy Garoppolo to the Cowboys. After no, yesterday. no, no, no. You absolutely, can, you absolutely cannot. I mean, it's luckily they won this game. I mean, you know, if you're the 49ers, like, you, you risk, you know, if you're, the, if you're Kyle Shanahan, like, give it another week or two, but you risk losing the locker room. Because the locker room's like, yo, we're trying to win games. Like, and that guy, pointing over at Garoppolo, that guy won us games last year. That guy's got a winning record as a quarterback. Again, we always talk about QB wins are not, are not a, you know, yes. wins are not a QB stat. But the fact of the matter is, is that, like, that guy can play. That guy got us to the playoffs. That guy's won a playoff game. Like, this kid is out here like, I don't know what he's doing. Now, again, I 100% agree with you. Awful conditions, no Kittle, um, no Elijah Mitchell. He leaves that game early. We'll see at the severity of that injury. Um, my expectation is it would be Jeff Wilson Jr. and Debo Samuel. Like, they'll have some of the other guys too, but that would be the pickup is Jeff Wilson Jr. if he's available in your league, 9 for 22. Again, awful conditions there as well. And to your point, listen, the, Bear, the, real child, the Bears are a decent defense. Like, their offense is brutal, but yep. the Bears are a decent defense. We both took the under on this one, um, and that paid off in a big way here as well. So, patience on Trey Lance. I, however, would say, probably not the worst idea to look at your waiver wire. Like, Jimmy? Probably, is, if, no, 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 no. I'm just saying, <laughs> if you went into the season with Trey Lance as your only quarterback. Yes. Trevor Lawrence out there, Jameis Winston out there in your league. is cut. You know, some Carson people that, yes, yeah, Carson Wentz. Like, that was the other thing about, like, jokes aside about this. He threw it over 40 times. Yep. They, they threw, I mean, like they're, it's going to obviously be a much more wide-open offense in Washington than what they did last year where they had basically had to try to hide Taylor Heineke. Yep. They've got Curtis Samuel. They've got um, Jahan Dotson. They've obviously got McLaurin. Logan Thomas made a couple of clutch catches. He was back. He was a surprise active. They're going to go four wide a decent amount with those four guys. I mean, Logan Thomas obviously three wide and then a tight end, of course. But Gibson was using the passing game quite a bit as well. Wentz actually might be a usable fantasy quarterback this year in, in somewhat deeper leagues. I don't uh, disagree with that. I will yeah. say with Trey Lance, eight and a half point favorites to Seattle next week. The Niners suspect that he will get right. And that is a really nice get right spot against the Seahawks. Now, maybe Speaking the story. Get, you know who got right? Who got right? Saquon Barkley. That's right. 194 thighs. yards, a touchdown, 68 uh, yard run down the left sideline where he looked like, looked a little bit like Saquon Barkley on that run. Mixed with Jonathan Taylor. I mean, so he, I mean, I think he certainly, he's the guy who sees his stock rise the most in terms of the upper tier guys. Uh, you know, we talked about him a lot preseason, how he's 50 to 1 to win the rushing title. That's looking very good now. He's a comeback player of the year candidate. And, uh, and he looked healthy, and he did it in spite of Daniel Jones, who his final stats looked okay. Daniel Jones did not play great <laughs> yesterday, and Saquon was still able to rack up those stats. So how much are you moving him up your rankings? The questions about Saquon Barkley were twofold. One, does he still have – can he get back to that explosiveness? Because we didn't see it last year. You know, even when he found a seam, like he was, people were able to catch up to him. Yep. Well, that's back. Finally, like two years removed from the injury, like, you're like, okay, 
Oh, that's the guy. Yeah, I remember that guy. I remember that guy out of Penn State. I remember that guy's rookie year. So number one is, is the explosiveness, explosiveness back. And then number two is, would he get the usage and would they be able to scheme him? Would Brian Dayball be able to scheme an offense enough to get him into space and use him the right way? And he absolutely did. So uh, shout out to uh, my friend Dwayne McFarland, who does a bunch of stuff for Fantasy Life and Pro Football Focus. And he tweeted this yesterday. Saquon Barkley played 83% of snaps and posted a whopping 74% route participation. He dominated opportunities for the Giants. 62% of attempts, a 40% target share. 22% of his carries went for 10 yards or more. 6.8 yards per attempt after contact. He is in that conversation. Like, if you were draft, some people do draft after the, after the first week. If you were drafting after the first week, like, it's Jonathan Taylor, it's Christian McCaffrey, it's Austin Eckler. It's Saquon Barkley. He's right there. Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry. He's right there in that mix, in that top five or six running back range. Yep. He's back, baby. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I'd rather have him than the running back opposite him yesterday. I'd rather Derrick have Henry. Saquon Barkley than Derrick, Derrick Henry, Henry going sure. forward. Just because Derrick Henry uh, didn't catch a pass yesterday. We thought that he would have more involvement in the passing game. Not yesterday. All right, let's go to the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes seems like he's absolutely fine without Tyreek Hill. Seems like Tyreek Hill is fine without Patrick Mahomes as well. But the Chiefs were the story. Mahomes now shifting into MVP favorite, joint favorite with Josh Allen. He was out of his mind. We've got a little bit of sound from Patrick yeah, Mahomes. Let's, let's, let's listen in. Yeah, I'm very comfortable with them. You saw the guys stepped up and made plays. Uh, tough contested catches like Juju and Marquez made a, did a great job with that. And then obviously the tight ends played well and the running backs played well. Um, the only one I was missing was McColl. I owe McColl two touchdowns. So uh, that, it was, uh, I was glad I got him with the one at the end there. But, uh, I mean, he was getting open, and he's had a good camp getting open on those routes. I just have to connect on those if we want to continue to get better. When it gets to the game, you kind of see who everybody is. And I think you saw his guys step up and make uh, plays whenever their number got called. Um, and like I said, it was, it's going to come from everywhere. It's not going to be one guy. I haven't looked at the stats or anything like that, but I know a lot of different guys made plays in the game. He's right, by the way. And here, here are the stats, Patrick. Patrick watches the show every day. So here's a chance for you to look at the stats. Hi, Patrick. Right? So uh, if you're listening at home, Juju goes 6 for 79. Kelsey, of course, 8 for 121 in touchdown. He was awesome. MVS, 4 for 42. Clyde edwards Elair, we're going to talk about it in a second. Three receptions, 32 yards. He gets the two touchdowns. McKinnon, 3 for 27. McColl, 3 for 16 and a touchdown. Jody Fortson gets into the end zone. Sky Moore had 1 for 30. A lot of guys touch the ball in Kansas City. When you score 44 points, that's possible. Um, we talked about this in the preseason. A lot of people were concerned about Tyreek Hill, and it was kind of like, I'm not. Like, they'll, it's one thing. It's one thing when you have. Like, I'm not saying losing a guy like Tyreek Hill is good because he's obviously one of the best players in the NFL. But it does allow a quarterback to sort of open up the offense. And like now, you know, like I don't have this sort of you know big dog that I got to yep. feed. Now I can sort of spread it around. Like, other than Kelsey, no one, you know, Juju ain't going to like, yo, you didn't get me enough, Patrick. You know, like, that's not happening. So this is Mahomes' team, and he can spread it around, and the results speak for themselves. I mean, the, we like the Cardinals. Cardinals are a good football team. Yeah. And they got spanked. They got destroyed. That was embarrassing. Spanked. Embarrassing. <laughs> Cowboys-esque. Cowboys-esque yes. is what it was. It was. That was, that was a tough one. Em- embarrassing. I, so, you know, for me... The big takeaways are Juju is what we thought he was. Six for 79 on eight targets. If he's getting eight targets a game from, Ju- from Patrick Mahomes, I'm in. I'm in. Th- that'll turn into, be nice to have somebody owing me two touchdowns the way that <laughs> Mahomes said he owes that to Miko Hardman. Uh, so I'm in on, the, like, I-, I don't know that there's a fantasy takeaway other than this. 
I think Clyde Edwards Elaire is a sell high. Yes, I agree completely because you look at the usage that he got because he was just unbearably efficient. He's not going to replicate that. He no. didn't get the carries. He got two touchdowns through the air. That's not going to happen all the time. I think the bigger takeaway and what's more sustainable is that Juju Smith-Schuster looked like the guy from 2018. 100%. So that is the big takeaway. But uh, CEH played less than 39% of snaps. Like, again, one of the reasons why I wanted to avoid him in the preseason is I'm like, you're going to see some Isaiah Pacheco. And he got more run late, but whatever. He, he did what he needed to do, 12 for 62 and a touchdown late. Again, playing, you know, they're up big, and you have to take it with a grain of salt. But the fact of the matter is, is like, he did what a player should do in that situation, which was look effective against a beaten down team. Jarek McKinnon, you know, listen, Jarek McKinnon is a good little player, right? I mean, McKinnon, three for 27, four targets. Like, he was effective when he got the ball as well. I think it is a three-headed monster on a pass-first team. And I just don't want a starting running back that played under 40% of offensive snaps in a 10- or 12-team league. And so off the t- this is likely his best game of the season. Yep. So uh, I would – I'm not just giving him away, but I would sell high on Clyde Edwards E. Lair. Other side that. of the bar in Arizona. Well, I'm very concerned got? about the Cardinals because here's the thing. The betting market moved from Chiefs minus 4.5 to Chiefs minus 6.5. That's a massive move. And then they got destroyed by 23 points. So that implies I that thought the market – sure By the way, and I, like I had a really good betting day, and we'll talk about this later, but I, gotta, I, I also want to own it. Like I don't want like, – I bet the Cardinals to cover. I yeah. thought, like, oh, this is going to be a close game. A this, this is right. This is going to be a – I'm like, when it got to six and a half, I'm like, like they're gonna, come on, man. This is going to come down to last touchdown. I think the Chiefs win, but they ain't blowing these guys out by a touchdown. Yeah, that was that <laughs> was that would, was the weird one yeah, of the yeah, weekend, yeah. the fact that that got so out of hand and the fact that it seemed like the betting market knew it was going to get out of hand as well. Um, look, Zach Ertz was banged up. No DeAndre Hopkins in this one. No Rondell Moore. So I don't know how much to take away from the fact that Greg Dortch, 7 for 63 on nine targets. But Dortch season. Dortch season, right, yeah. I Dortch mean, you season, know, right, Yeah. I'm trying to think of a good, like, yeah, Dortch. Yeah, can't. I can't see Dortch. Yeah. doesn't really rhyme yeah. with anything, you know. It's like, like Jamar Chase going up for a one-handed catch. No, there. no, yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> Couldn't Dortch, bring it down. Dortch the ball upon the left-hand side. That's all I got. Okay. Pass the Dortch upon the left-hand side. I don't know. Let's I think about nothing. that. Nothing. All right, so I'm being told I should get off the air right now. <laughs> By the way. But uh, I just want to point this out. Anyway, so I think Dorch is sort of interesting. Um, better days are ahead for Arizona. I, I, think I think they will rebound again. Let's see what happens when they get um, uh, Rondell Moore back. And, uh, you know, first game with Marquise Brown there. Zach Ertz kind of limped into the game, scores a touchdown, but doesn't do much here. But, hey, shout out to Andy Isabella and his truthers, right? One for ten, three targets. They've been waiting a long time. There's a, there's a whole – you have no idea. The people that are into Andy Isabella are really into Andy Isabella. We have Bottom one of them four. on our staff at the moment. Yeah. So I'm just saying, there you go, guys. One for ten, three targets. Congratulations <laughs> to all of you Andy Isabella truthers. We'll be back right after this. Surprise! Like he went to you on the first play, and there was you were such a big part of the um, offense. And when he targeted so early on from the start, were you surprised by that much of volume in your your game for, the, for this one? No, not at all. That's I mean that's what they brought me here for to, to be a big part of this offense and and help uh, move the ball and, and put points on the board. So that's what I mean. That's my job. That's what I'm ready to do. I'm ready for. I mean I'm a volume type of guy, so you know I'm always ready for that. Um, actually they threw it back, so I do have it, but um. <laughs> 
had a lot of, I had, a, I had actually had a lot of like thoughts in my head on how I'd probably celebrate, but knowing the situation of the game, and you know, you can't get any penalties there. Ah, man, like, hey, man, McDaniels, he's gonna need a wheelbarrow, man, for his man. He got a lot of football on this, you know what I'm saying? So, does he call by him? That was Devontae Adams at the very top there talking about how he's a volume guy. Same with me. I'm a volume guy <laughs> as well. Michael the Thomas was the, was the second player as well uh, talking about you know, his celebration. He was thinking about his celebration. I think about my celebration quite a bit as well. But no time to celebrate because we've got Roto Pat on the phone. Roto Pat decided last time Roto Pat was on with us, he had a jacket. And now Rotopad is not. What happened? Is the because you only have one jacket. I've been on the air with a number with you a number of times, and you only have one jacket. Uh, And so, is it in the wash? What's going on? Well, Matthew, I don't know if you heard of this place called Europe, but I bought the jacket there, and it just became like my favorite possession of all time. And I I actually wear it when I'm not even on the show. But my wife said that yeah, she would leave me if I wore it again today. So well, no, I know. I've I've heard. I've talked with your wife. She tells me that you know. (laughs) When it's time for romance, that's what you you wear that and a smile and pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, I've never caught. I wouldn't be caught dead not in the jacket. This is actually the first time in seven years I've not had it on. I understand, so, Roto, Roto Pat. It is the aftermath with Roto Pat. You can catch all of his stuff at RotoWorld.com, uh, NBCSportsEdge.com, uh, and uh, Roto, Pat, uh, Roto Pat. Is that is is your first name Roto and your last name Pat, or is Roto Pat all your first name? Well, you know, like in Brazil, they call the soccer players by one name, even sure. though they have like full legal names. That's kind of mine. Patrick Darty just got trashed at one point. Now, like every legal document, like it gets confusing if I don't sign Rotopat. Like I'm not allowed to vote if I don't sign Rotopat. So, yeah, makes- I don't. I could, couldn't even remember my last name until you said it. Actually, that makes a lot of sense here. Another guy that goes by one name, Tyreek. We know exactly who we're talking about here. Pretty good debut here with the uh, Miami Dolphins. Targeted 12 times on just on 31 routes. His 38.7% target rate was the second highest among wide receivers. Pat, you like what you saw? Definitely. And the targets, 12 targets, more than double the number two Jalen Waddle. Although Waddle did get the score, but I just think the big takeaway is that you know Tua is not going to default back into Waddle. You know, it's like his safety blanket. Tua's like he's getting on board with the Mike McDaniel system and you know, 12 targets against the Bill Belichick defense. You know, one of the toughest tests Tua will face all year. One of the toughest tests Mike McDaniel will face all year. And like that was the plan and they stuck to it. Just like a genuine commitment. I, you know, not that we should be surprised if you go out and get Tyreek Hill. It's just you have a first round guy like Jalen Waddle who already had a hundred catch season on the roster. I, I thought it was like a bit of a question, but yeah, I mean the commitment I don't think a commitment gets any clearer than 12 targets against Bill Belichick. And you have to love what you saw because Tyreek Hill was falling late first round, sometimes early second round. You have to really, really love what you saw if you got Tyreek in like the 10 to 15 range. Good start from you, Roto Pat, bringing up three continents so far between the European jacket, the Brazilian <laughs> soccer players, and then Tyreek Hill, who plays in North America. Now, Michael Thomas, two touchdowns yesterday. Looked pretty good, particularly in the fourth quarter. Is he back, Roto Pat? Jay, I will say, maybe hard to like shoehorn in an Australia reference, but I'll do my best uh, before the show's over. Mike Thomas, kind of a weird game. I was watching this game, zero catches at halftime. They come out of the break in the third quarter, and Fox ran a montage of like Michael Thomas and Jameis Winston not being in sync. 
Like they show Michael Thomas losing his footing a few times, like balls that were like ever so slightly off target from Jameis Winston and Michael Thomas trying to work back to the ball. But, you know, then 5-57-2 after the break. Both of his touchdowns were in man coverage against A.J. Terrell, you know, living up to his man coverage beating reputation. You know, trust and timing were there as the Saints are, you know, they're down two scores on the road. Already like a pressure cooker situation in week one. And like when the game got really important, Jameis Winston is going to Michael Thomas. They're working on that connection. I mean, I thought to the eye test too, Michael Thomas looked really explosive. I mean, only eight games since his record setting 2019, but I thought five catches, you know, you obviously expect more than that with Michael Thomas, but I really thought again, like Michael Thomas, a guy who kind of spent the summer falling because, you know, he said barely played the past years. He was hurt most of the summer. Fantasy managers just didn't know what to think, but I think, you know, we're, we're never going back to 2019, Michael Thomas, but it definitely looked like top 24, maybe top 18 Michael Thomas is going to be possible rest of the season. Look, eight targets tied for the team lead there. He had a 26% target share. I mean, you know, so for me, like, that was very encouraging. Jarvis Landry had a nice game in this one as well. We're going to talk about Alvin Kamara coming up here in a little bit. But the fact of the matter is, is that, and we don't expect him to be down two touchdowns like every week. By the way, that was Painful. I like that you brought that up to sort of twist the knife into <laughs> Jay's heart there to point out that, yes, they were actually down multiple scores to the Falcons, but couldn't, and Atlanta couldn't hold on. Uh, so I think that's interesting. Let's go back to uh, somebody else that we heard from at the top of the show, and that's Devontae Adams. 44% of the team's target share in week one. Yeah. 44%. Like, all offseason I was saying, like, look, he's not going to get the 35%, 33% target share he had in Green Bay. I was right about that. Yeah. The part is, as I kept saying, it was going to be more like 25%. Turns out it's closer to 45%. He played 95% of the Raiders' offensive um, plays. Like, Pat, we're all in on Devontae Adams still, right? I mean, you basically have 17 targets for five more than Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro combined. Just only thing is hopefully the Raiders, you know, it's not too much of a good thing. It was Derek Carr's first three-interception performance in four years. Like maybe like Devonte Adams' reputation is like playing in Derek Carr's mind. Like he's just this is the guy you feed. Like this is what Aaron Rodgers won back to back MVPs feeding this guy. But maybe just remember, you know, Aaron Rodgers had no other receivers whatsoever. Derek Carr, you do have other receivers, and there's going to be plenty of games where you're going to be able to naturally get Devonte Adams ten to twelve looks. Just thought maybe somebody seemed like he was jam like almost like overly jamming it, and but like you said, it's the target share going to remain momentous. And, yeah, you have to love it. Again, a guy who has been top one, top two receiver going as a wide receiver 5-6, you have to be very, very happy with what you saw. Suspect Hunter Renfro is going to get more than six targets in their next game against the Cardinals. The other thing out of that game, Keenan Allen goes down in doubt. Looks like he's a chance to play, but the short turnaround against the Chiefs on Thursday night. Here's my thing about the Chargers. Why are they running the ball 31 times for two and a half yards per carry? when they have Justin Herbert. And I know Keenan Allen went down, but this team should be throwing the ball more. And to me, that's the whole key to it's, their fantasy season. It's super weird that somehow Mike McCarthy is not only the coach of the Cowboys, <laughs> but also the Chargers. That's the only thing that can make sense to me in terms of the usage. Yeah, it is. It is a little weird. Like, I, I, you got, I know you got this Ferrari in the garage, but yeah, yeah let's, let's take a spin in the station wagon. Yeah. By all means. Or, like, let's ride my daughter's bicycle instead. Right, right, what are right. they doing? Right. It's not like Justin Herbert was having a bad game. No. It's looking like an MVP out there. I know. And the worst part is, is it worked for them. They end up winning this game 24-19. Roto-Pat, here's my question. Let's assume Keenan Allen does not play in this game. 
who would you recommend people pick up? Because Josh Palmer is sort of the, the obvious answer based on the preseason, but DeAndre Carter, three for 64 and a touchdown, was actually much more effective. Both guys got four targets, Palmer and, uh, uh, and Carter, but Carter obviously had the much better, better day. Yeah, the Carter stat line gives you a little pause if you're a late-round Josh Palmer drafter, but Palmer was the guy in there in two receiver sets. DeAndre Carter had spent kind of a surprising amount of time in the slot, but Palmer basically became an every-snap player after Keenan Allen went out of the game. I think you can still be really bullish, expect a really high target upside. A guy who had nine targets even when Keenan Allen was active last week 18. I think the early total for Chiefs Chargers is 54. I, Despite the DeAndre Carter weirdness, I, I think I'm going to have Josh Palmer in the top 40, maybe even the top 36 uh, for week two. I would agree with that. It's also encouraging to see Gerald Everett get involved in that Gerald game Matt. there, right? Yeah, my, one of my late-round tight end guys and somebody we talked about on Sunday morning on Fantasy Football pregame, 354, touchdown of four targets. I would agree with you there. Um, let's talk about, uh, listen, sometimes opportunity begets, you know, begets fantasy goodness, and that's what happened in Atlanta. Yeah, Corderell Patterson. This was maybe the strangest fantasy line just because the usage was so unexpected, but 136 yards on 25 touches. And to me, the thing here is that didn't have a carry longer than 15 yards. This was yeah. all about volume. So what are you expecting for Corderell Patterson going forward, Pat? Not that, you know, even if Damian Williams remained silent for week two, you know, Damian Williams out six minutes into the game, he out carried. Cordero 2-1 to one to that point. Kind of like an underplayed storyline was Tyler Algier was a healthy scratch for the game. So yep. Cordero was literally the only show in town. And the 25 touches, I just can't think they want to repeat that because the whole team, including Cordero himself, kind of talked near the end of last year that he got kind of worn down on those massive workloads that maybe they want to have him more like the Alvin Kamara range of like a 12 to 15 touch player. And he really he excelled with the workload. He was really rugged on his goal line carry. But, yeah, I just can't imagine, despite how well he did with that role yesterday, did they want to perpetuate that going forward? And even if Damian Williams is out for week two, I think you're going to have to see a Tyler Algier role. And keep Cordero, if you're projecting Cordero, I would say 15 touches is the number you want to have in mind. Keep in mind, just counterpoint, if they don't hand it off to Cordero Patterson, the option there is to let Marcus Mariota throw it. So it's just yeah. something, you know, it's a little double, you know, uh, versus W don't. Um, I agree with you. I do think uh, Damian Williams going out, that certainly affected it. Also, by the way, they were playing with a lead for much of this game, which is not something that would be normally expected. I don't know if you're aware of this, but but Jay had the the Falcons at, at plus 200 to win straight up. And was looking, it was looking really good for him. And then it wasn't. That, that bet lost, Pat. And then yeah. that'd be right. He lost, he lost the bet. He had hope for a long time, and then he lost the bet. Marcus I just, I, having seen enough Atlanta Falcons, I just knew it was a matter of when, not if, they somehow blew their two-score second. You know, the beauty is, is they, they stopped the two-point conversion to make it 26-24, <laughs> and that seals the game, Pat. That ends the game. They can't lose after that. And then they lose anyway. Now... A better story than the Atlanta Falcons. Antonio Gibson, 130 yards on 21 touches, gets the carries, gets 14 carries, gets seven receptions as well, leads the team. Yeah, to me, that was the biggest key here was Gibson being so involved in the passing game. It's going to be a pass-happy offense. I mean, the whole Washington offense, I think, uh, you know, John Dotson, I think, obviously, is going to be a fantasy factor. I don't expect two touchdowns. But, like, him and Curtis Samuel – 
both potentially have value in deeper leagues. McLaurin's always going to get his. But I think the passing game usage for Gibson was really encouraging because that was the problem last year is that he just couldn't get on the field. And so it feels like with Carson Wentz under center, warts and all, Washington and Scott Turner, their offense coordinator, are really opening things up. He's so happy about Washington. I'm so, so happy. Tough to be next to. I mean, right. I mean, like, look. And, and before you say, like, ah, whatever, you beat the Jags at home. Well, you know who didn't beat an underrated, you know, a, a undermanned opponent at home? Right? The Titans. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, right? I mean, like, I'm just saying. Right? You know, um, uh, the 49ers couldn't beat the Bears. I mean, that game was in Chicago. But Bengals. still, Bengals couldn't beat the, the Steelers. I, no game is a, is a given in the NFL. Oh, boy. And so, um, uh, anyway, I, I don't know how you feel about but I think as long as Brian Robinson is out, this is not a fluke with Antonio Gibson and his usage, and I do think the passing game usage will continue. I will say this. One of the most shocking stats of the week that he out-targeted McKissick 8-3. to three. I was getting excited until I read Pro Football Focus's Nathan Yankee, who did chart Gibson as playing zero third and long or two-minute drill snaps. That was still McKissick. But I think you can still be optimistic where maybe it's like a Cincinnati situation where you know Joe Mixon doesn't play a lot of the most important third downs, but he still plays enough third downs. And if Antonio Gibson just plays enough third downs, that like totally changes his outlook as a fantasy player. Right. And you, by the way, and you're just excited just because his ADP fell so much with all the Brian Robinson news and his usage in the preseason. And then, of course, once uh, the accident happened with – not accident, but once, once Robinson was involved uh, when he – that the carjacking incident, crime, awful, um, that's when it changed for Antonio Gibson. Real quickly, let's talk about Alvin Kamara. You concern 12 touches, 46 scrimmage yards in the win against the Falcons, but, you know, a little upsetting given that, you know, like he has the pass catching back. He, was so, he wasn't involved in the passing game all that much. Only two games last year we had less than 58 yards from scrimmage. I think the thing is is that you don't need to dump it off to the running back when you can just get 20-yard receptions down the field every single play that you want in the fourth quarter to Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas. But, Rotopat, any concerns on Alvin Kamara? No, I think maybe, honestly, frankly, a positive where I think we want Kamara back more in like the 12 to 15 range. He got worn down as like a 25-touch player last year. And the, the, three, the three or four targets – that's concerning. But then again, are you really checking down when you're down multiple scores in the second half? So I think it's kind of like a fluky stat line. And that you know, the checkdowns are going to come. The receptions are always going to be there for Alvin Kamara. And no, not worried, even though I sure could have used some more PPR points yesterday. Yeah, I think we all could. But at least Kamara got more than Mike Williams, who finishes with just three fantasy points. He caught two or four targets for 10 yards in the season opener. DeAndre Carter, you know, Gerald Everett, all, Keenan Allen leaves the game early, Roto Pat, and Mike Williams still can't do anything. How much of a panic button are you pushing? Zero. I mean, this guy okay. hit 17 targets in the second most recent game, which also happened to be against the Raiders. It's just one of those kind of live by the big play, die by the big play. The four targets is, of course, weird, but I, hard to see that as anything other than the fluke. And just hard to see it. It's just part of the Mike Williams roller coaster. Now he'll inexplicably, not inexplicably, he'll get 18 targets against the Chiefs Thursday night. All will be right in the world. That's the Mike Williams life for you. He led the team in snaps and routes run. They had 67 offensive plays. Mike Williams was on the field for 62. If he gets that, continues to get that kind of usage, and based on this payday, I believe he will be. Ultimately, Mike Williams will be fine. Roto Pat, we say goodbye to you, but not to your uh, jacket because, <laughs> of course, you're not wearing it. But we will all follow you on Twitter, at Roto Pat. 
and we will check out the aftermath with Roto Pat on NBCSportsEdge.com. We are back after this. Thanks, Pat. Thank you. So we are back, and they'd like me to talk about James Robinson and Travis Etienne. Not sure if you're aware, but those are two running backs that were on a team that lost to the Washington Commanders in week one in heartbreaking fashion. 22 points for the Jaguars is not enough to get past the 28 for your Washington Commanders. Let's talk about this backfield, and am I allowed to beat my chest? Can I beat my chest? Because I'm beating my chest. Beat your chest. Right, and I'm not just beating my chest because the Commanders beat the Jaguars. I'm beating my chest because of James Robinson. All through the preseason. Listen, I'm taking some L's. I took some L's as well. But this one, I get a big W for. James Robinson was on the preseason love list, and we talked about him throughout the preseason right here on the happy hour, saying, guys, he, it's going to be a committee, and the ADP is way out of whack for Travis Etienne and James Robinson. He was healthy. He got 12 touches. He played 49% of the offensive snaps, 69 yards from scrimmage, and more importantly, two touchdowns. He's the early down back. He's the red zone back. He's the base running back for the Jaguars, and ETN is a pass catcher. Yep. I will say with ETN, it looks a lot different if he catches the walk-in touchdown. And also, Trevor Lawrence missed him as well. True. Should have had two touchdowns, in which case, you're not wearing the jersey today. Stephen D'Augustino is having you wear a uh, Travis ETN jersey instead no, for his no. birthday. Steven, if, if, if Steve <laughs> tried that, Steve would be working on Unbuttoned with Chris Sims. But what I would say here to you... Uh, Jay Croucher, is is that I think both guys will have value. I think the Jaguars' yep. offense overall is going to be pretty good, and that, and that Doug Peterson likes to use multiple running backs. By the way, James Robinson available in 40% of Yahoo leagues. If he is somehow still available in your it. leagues, he is the number one priority in waivers. We will get into that more tomorrow. DeAndre Swift has a monster game yesterday, but gets vultured by Jamal Williams twice the goal line. How concerned are you, Jay Croucher? Not concerned. And Thank you. To your credit, one of the bets you liked yesterday, DeAndre Swift over 48 and a half rushing yards. You really have to sweat that one out. He got no. it in one play, 50-yard yeah. run to catch that. And the thing is, is that he got vultured uh, with the touchdowns. Still had a pretty good game. So uh, game. I would not be worried at all about DeAndre Swift. Instead, I would be thinking about his upside, potentially, as a guy who get into that group with Eckler, Saquon we talked about, Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, he has that kind of upside. One of my bold predictions in the preseason, you go back and look at my 10 list of 10, was DeAndre Swift finishes as the number one running back in fantasy. He's got that kind of usage upside. He's got that kind of offensive line. It would have been nice if he'd gotten all three touchdowns here and they didn't bolter him with Jamal Williams. But the fact is, is that Jamal Williams might potentially have some standalone value in deeper leagues, getting 33% of the touches in this one. He certainly must be rostered if you have DeAndre Swift. I do think, because again, we saw... Like, they, they like him around the goal line, and if anything were to happen to Swift, Williams would have a lot of value. Uh, the Eagles, what a disaster this is. I get it. Like, Sanders scored. Game, you know, our long national nightmare is over. Miles Sanders finally got in the end zone. But Boston Scott also scored. Kenneth Gainwell also scored. J- Jalen Hurts had a rushing touchdown. It's actually almost a mirror of the game last year against the Lions. Good luck picking which Eagles running back you want to start week to week to week. If I could get anything for any of these guys, I would sell immediately. Definitely. And Miles Sanders, great stat line. Efficiency is not going to repeat. He had 7.4 yards per carry. And the concern is he's not going to get all the red zone carries. So you're just playing a guessing game. He had 13 carries in a game that they were leading the whole way. He's not going to get workhorse back usage. He'll be a nice guy from time to time, but not someone that you can trust. Miles Sanders is a name, and you can say, like, look, the, the lack of scoring was fluky, but look, he scored less. But I, like, this is a three-headed committee, and they're not always going to be putting up 38 points, and so I would be nervous 
about uh, Miles Sanders, if I could get, again, that is somebody that I do think you could potentially sell high. It's, really a, it's a four-headed committee. It is a four-headed committee. That is correct. Gainwell's out there in a decent amount of leagues, and, and like he's an interesting guy, but let's move over to the Texans, and I think this is one everyone in the fantasy community got wrong. Like, there, Luckily, I was not as high on Damian Purse as other people were, but I, look, I had him at running back 26, I think, by the final draft weekend, and I had Rex Burkhead nowhere to be found. Um, that might have been a mistake. As Rex you see Burkhead there on your screen, 71% of the offensive touches – for uh, uh, for Rex Burkhead here, Damian Pierce played just 29% of the offensive snaps. Burkhead 19 to 12, out touching uh, uh, Damian Pierce. 70 yards for scrimmage from Burkhead. Pierce just 39 yards. He played. Damian Pierce in his NFL debut played 29% of the offensive snaps. And by the way. This is a game in which the Texans led for much of it. Exactly. And the smoking gun with Pierce was always he never got big carry amounts in college. He never got more than 15 carries. So he wasn't just going to become a big workhorse straight away. At the same time, you would have liked a little bit more from him in this game. Okay, we're going to break when we come back. I will say, I mean, but we'll talk more again waivers tomorrow, but Burkhead's going to be a thing. Yeah. Burkhead's going to be a thing. He's going to be a thing. I'll wear my Rex Burkhead jersey. I tomorrow. mean, whatever. I mean, whatever. 2.9 yards per carry, but. 14 carries is 14 carries. We're back after this. So you're betting the Lions today. I'm betting the Lions to cover. Getting five at home. Home yep. opener, Dan Campbell. Anti-fragile. Anti-fragile. Yeah, let's go. Not a fragile man, DeAndre Swift, today. His rushing total is 48 and a half, and his receiving total is 29 and a half. That's very Ooh. bunched Ooh. together for a running back. There's usually a great over on both of those. Given the quality of defense on both yes. sides of this matchup, I'm feeling the under on 51 here. Title's already dropped a little bit, but I still think it's 51. I think this is a defensive matchup. I actually think these are two defensive teams primarily. Second thing, and a bet that I told Matthew to make two ad breaks ago, is Baker Mayfield to throw an interception. Oh, yeah, that's right, he did. We're all in. Yeah, We're yeah, all yeah. in, Baker Mayfield, to throw yeah. just one. He just seems one. to throw one, yeah, one or one. It was a profitable day a good day for you, overall. I, and everyone that followed us, that tailed us on the Fantasy Football pregame show. Uh, we do that every Sunday morning on Peacock, 11 to 1. It is last call now. Uh, prop bets for tonight. Let's make some people some more money here. What do you got for Monday Night Football? Albert O, I'm going to go for it. Okweg Bunam to go nice. over 25 and a half receiving yards. The Seahawks cannot defend tight ends. They were 26 in DVO against tight ends last season. Uh, I believe that Russell Wilson will pick on those mediocre linebackers in Seattle and Okwegbanon benefits, and he uh, goes over 25 and a half receiving yards. I like that. I'm in. I'm going to bet that, and I will also bet this one, Russell Wilson over 37 and a half longest completion. Yes. Look, he went over this number in 20 of his last 30 games. He goes back to Seattle. Do we think the Seahawks have a good secondary? We do not. Do we think going back to Seattle he's going to hand off? We do not. No. He's going to cook. He's going to want to cook. He's going to take some deep shots to Jerry Judy, to Cortland Sutton. So over 37 and a half for Russell Wilson's longest completion tonight. Book it. Back home in Seattle. There we go. Okay, we are back tomorrow. We are back tomorrow. Look at him. Let's ride. Fake high fives he is throwing deep tonight. Uh, a thousand percent. Let's ride. Let's ride, Russell Wilson. Listen, congratulations to everyone, especially the commanders. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. We're back tomorrow. For Jay Croucher, I'm Matthew Berry. This is the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. Peace out.